Take Podcast. It's the only podcast in the entire world that A, is coronavirus free, and B, is a complete shit show. I am Kieran, and with me is my co-host, my CFO. It is... Tetch! Ah, oh, Kieran, how are you, buddy? Oh. It's nice for you to do the intro. It's good. I like it. I... Something different. <laughs> oh, it's very good. different. You know? it, it is different. Uh, how am I, you ask? Day three of keto. Uh, and I'm right, proud. Right now, I've got to take the biggest fart. Okay. I won't, because it's going to poison you in this studio. <laughs> okay. That's but sad. that's how I am at the moment. That it, is how I am. It, it could. The, the good thing is... Well, the bad thing is, it could be worse. <laughs> we could both be doing keto like we were a while ago. Oh, it could ago. be the keto shits. Oh, the keto shits. So the keto shits, are, uh, you need a toilet nearby if you have that. That's you know, good. You, re- you change your diet. Thank goodness you're working from home. <laughs> That's all I can say. Thank goodness there's poor, two toilets. Poor your housemates. In the, in the house. Oh, That's- oh yeah. Uh, well, we that's it. Life's over. We're done for the rest of the year. Uh, uh, the government has said no more. That's it. That's it. Forget what you're doing. Second wave's here in Australia. It's second wave and it's eight people. <laughs> it's like, I, I think I to- I said, I've said this to many people before. The initial narrative was that we want to get, um, we want to ease the pain of the coronavirus on the hospitals. Mm-hmm. And now, over time, it's subtly changed to we don't want any more cases. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, those are two very, very different things. <laughs> from what I've heard, from what I've heard, is that they are a little bit worried because uh, it could inflare and it could be harder to protect the healthcare system. So there's a bit of give and take. But that, oh, that look, regardless of that, eight rega- people over. How many hospitals do we have in Melbourne? Look, look, look can we not get bogged <laughs> at down? least eight? <laughs> One each. Share it around. <laughs> share, the, share the coronavirus around. What can I say? Uh, please don't. Well, <laughs> I, I don't herd know. immunity. I don't know. We're going to get a scientist in here to talk about that. But today, we're not going to be talking about science. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Alright, I just want to put this in context Okay, okay I get a text message from you I get a number of text messages in the space oh. of a minute But the thing that pops up in my phone was Seriously, dot, dot, dot And then you'd obviously put a space And then communicated, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. All I saw was like five text messages With seriously And I thought, what the fuck have I fucked yeah. up? No, no What, no, what no, have no. I stuffed up? No. <laughs> Do you want me to read them out? Do you want me to... Do you want me to read them out? Here yeah. we go. Where, where are they here? Okay. I just said, I sent you a link to a certain podcast. Mm-hmm. And it said, on Sunday, can we review this show? The latest episode up is about the police. Uh, because our socialist friend loves it and they're fucking insane. And I sent you another link. I said, seriously, we, we you need to get them on our show so we can dissect them like we do with all our mm. other guests. And then you said, "Okie dokie, have a second. Li- uh, I'll have a listen to it tomorrow." And then I said, "I've got. Uh, I've listened to it a second time. Holy shit, they are insane!" And then two hours later, I I get, "Oh my god, they are insane!" <laughs> <laughs> and, and at that point that I text you, I had to stop. Yeah, I I stopped then and there because I was getting really fucking angry, <laughs> really fucking angry. So we're going to have a bit of fun today. We are going to have a bit of fun. So this is a bit of a different type of episode. When we do review podcasts, we usually like take clips and this and that. And I don't think... 
I, I thought we would. I thought we'd uh, like initially. I'm like, we'll get clips. We'll do. We'll go through the clips and we'll talk talk about it all. But the more I listen to it, I I want I wanted to clip so much, and and like talk about each point slowly. Um, I was like, no, I don't think we can do that. I think we we have to just go through it as the episode goes on. Mm-hmm. And I, I I said to you when you came into into the house, I think this may be a two or three parter. I I definitely think this is a two or three parter. So, uh, if this is long. And annoying in this set. Maybe we'll break it up over like, you know, next week we'll do a regular episode and back to this. Gives us a bit more time to research in this net. I'll do an Instagram poll because I figured that out. Yeah, that's Because like, did you see the Instagram poll? Instagram no poll. one answered. Good, good, no good. No one answered. <laughs> <laughs> but I figured out how to do an Instagram I'm poll. I'm very proud of you. So I'll Instagram poll it. Ah, Right, good. and then people can can tell us on the Instagram, or maybe whether they want a regular episode, yeah, or whether they want to continue with part and two. And if no one answers, we'll just do what we want. <laughs> <laughs> or I might answer, <laughs> and you what might want, answer. What do we want? <laughs> but Kieran, yeah. I said you, you pr- sorry. Were you proud of my Instagram? It post? was fantastic. I'm very yeah. proud Thank of you. you. Very proud of you. So Kieran, we haven't told anybody what mm. this is about. No. So this is a podcast. Called Reg Red Flag mm-hmm. Red Flag Reg, Red Red Flag Podcast, mm-hmm. and it's a podcast run an Australian podcast. This is like the first time, other than reviewing our own show, we're reviewing an Australian podcast, mm. which is great. But it's a socialist slash Marxist mm. podcast, and they've decided to take on the very big topic. Mm. I think "big" is the only word I can really use for that. Okay. A big topic of the police mm-hmm. with the current political climate and the and the potential to defund, abolish, reform, a whole bunch of words. But the way that they talk about it and the way that they present it was the most insane. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, what's it called? Happy uh, Billy Madison at the end there. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's like, what you just said, it was so incoherent. Everyone in this room is that dumber from listening to it. <laughs> but I never had such a, like, apart from our regular guys that we love podcast wise, like, we love those podcasts. Like, we love who these podcasts. Any are. podcast that we've shit on or ripped yeah, on, yeah, yeah. we love. We love, that's right. We love, like, you know, we love Karaoke Big E and this and that, with all the podcasts that we've been on and this and that. We love them heaps. But we love this. Hmm. For the opposite reasons of why we loved everything else. Because this was... Look, Rob was insane. Yeah. But at least he had a point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. He was trying to sell his book. <laughs> and fair enough. Good on him. That's fine. That's fine. By his multiple books. But these people here... <laughs> these people here... They, go, they talk for 50 minutes about this thing. And I've never, I've never heard people spew so many wrong things <laughs> that are so easily debunked by even common sense or common knowledge or just an assumption that you could make mm-hmm. about a topic just by hearing about it. Yeah. And I don't know what else to say to that, but should we just click play? Oh, wait, let's just click play and go oh, look, through it. Oh, I'm just going to click play the show. You, we're just gonna stop it whenever, whenever you want, and whenever I want, and we'll just discuss it again. This is a fifty-minute show. I don't think we're gonna get past the twenty-minute mark with how much shit that they say. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but before that, I think I want to give people a taste of the show. Mm. And one thing was, I went through f- properly the first 25 minutes of this show. And what I noticed more than anything else was that these guys have done a lot of podcasts. They've done like at least 30 shows, I think. Yeah. And even after 30 shows, like I went back and listened to our 30th show just to see how we were. And we were pretty good. See, what we could converse. We would like. I was saying to someone yeah. else the other day, I said, I feel like our podcast is now good. Yes. I'm not going to say it's great mm. just yet because of high expectations. It's high expectations. Right. But I said, I th- I th- we're pretty good. I think that the fact that we go back and forth, mm. there's not many... You know, we know the chemistry, we know the yada, yada, yadas. Exactly right. We, do, we can bounce off each other, but we're also having fun. And it never fe- I feel like it never comes off that we're trying to just read off a screen or mm. read off our notes. Even when we're interviewing people and all that, it's just like, this is in the moment and we're having fun. Like Joe Rogan, he just sort of pounds through. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have things in front of him. That fucking frustrates me when someone reads off their notes. Because A, it sounds like this. Uh, let me just let me just read off the notes Please here. do. Hello and welcome to the We Only Do One Take <laughs> podcast. No it's energy. the only podcast in the world. That is... <laughs> A complete... Sh- yeah. So... It's just... Yeah. But none of these... Whereas things- my point of view is, write down some notes. Make sure you interrupt your co-host every now and then. Because that's really important, right? Uh, set them up for a joke. And by po- a pop filter. <laughs> and by- so this is a clip that I put together. So in the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes of the show, I put together this clip. Mm-hmm. Um, um, really, um, um, um... Um, 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 and, uh, um, I think for the first time, many people and many people listening to this podcast, um, what sort of led to the first, um, uh, in, uh, um, you know, and so, um, you know, um, Robert Peel, um, uh, essentially, um, um, the last thing, um, I, um, you know, uh, um, <laughs> Mm. And then they <laughs> wandered around, and why would they? Um, um, uh, in um, is actually there, really? Yeah, as a cl- as a tool. You can be really um, shit at a podcast, um, but if you can really edit it out, yeah, one of the key. Um, this, <laughs> yeah, kinda, you, um, you make your because when we did our first podcast, um, we edited the, the shit podcast, out of it. There was lots um, of pauses between oh, you yeah. and I. Uh, um, I've got and another minute can, of this. I have to uh, stop it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very um, sorry, but the, you're absolutely right. The first episode of our podcast, I'll say the first ten to fifteen, yeah. there was lots of dead space, long pauses, lots of ums, likes, all that sort of stuff, all those crutch words, mm. and that's fine. Like you're gonna do that. We still do that today, you know. But the difference is that we can go. You know what? We can shorten that little phrase. We can sh- get rid of that um. We can get rid of that pop filter sound. Yeah. Oh, every now and then we bump the mic and I would edit the bump the mic out. Exactly right. Little things yeah. like that that just make the sound more pleasing to the mm. audience. But I have, apart from pulling those clips all together, I have not done anything to the sound. And it feels like they are recording mm. in an empty car park. <laughs> but shall we go to the actual episode? All right. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. We are going to support podcasts. Absolutely. 
And we're going to film because my father is now retired. Mm-hmm. He's starting his cooking show from mother, mother to son. But we will film how to set up a podcast. <laughs> okay. Right. How okay. to set up a podcast with what mics we have, how we edit. Sure. How do you get the chemistry, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> you get real drunk at Eagle Bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we've got to start this because otherwise we'll be talking for 12 minutes. And uh, We have been told that A, we can talk a, a lot of shit, <laughs> right? And B, most people, this is background. This is good. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, anyway let's, uh, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's give it a crack. So this is Red Flag Radio, episode 34. 34. Obviously, they did write this. Real podcasts write their own thing, too. Welcome to Red Flag Radio. We're recording the show on Indigenous land that was stolen, never ceded, that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Um, thank you to our Patreon supporters who continue to keep um, financially donating to the show. We appreciate it. And if anyone else wants to join, those people... you. Can- Why is this part of the show for this woman introducing the show so hard? Yeah, it should just be... 34 episodes in, you should be able to go, this is the, a podcast we're doing on Aboriginal land. This is our Patreon account. Support us. We really appreciate it. On with the show. Yeah. Even I did it, and I'm not even on their show. Yeah, let, let, me, let me just do please it. Please do. <laughs> Welcome to the Red Flag Podcast. <laughs> this is Indigenous land, and we pay our respects to past, present, and emerging elders... And if you'd like to follow us on Patreon, give us a click and thank you to all our members. This week, we have on the show... There you go, see? Done. That was amazing. <laughs> we lived, and I had a look at their podcast on Patreon and they get $349 a month from their Patreonies. Which is great. That's more than us. That's more than us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. But you know what? For $349 a month, you know what you can do? Right. You can pay someone to edit. <laughs> yeah. And, well, hang on, they're socialists. Oh, so, yes. So, but I would be saying, send it over to someone overseas. Yeah. Pay them to yeah. edit. It's it. Yeah. Save yourself some money. Oh, here yeah. we go. And at patreon.com forward slash red flag radio Actually, podcast. how does that work? Pause for a second. Um, socialists, but they're getting money. I thought the socialists were against money. I don't know. Look, I'm not going to go... This is why we need a... So- well, I'm trying to get a socialist on this podcast. We're going to get one podcast. on the show. Get one on the show. All right really um, helps us out with what we're able to do and expand the reach of Red Flag Radio to a wider audience as well. And that seems pretty important at the moment because there's a massive um, uprising happening in the centre of world capitalism in the United States. Um, that was sparked, obviously. Uh, the yeah. centre of world capitalism, the United States. I don't, I don't think that's right. <laughs> No, no. And remember the United States is, what, 300 million? Yeah. And how many people are protesting? A fraction of a fraction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, out of a whole world of 7 billion people where I would say 90 to 95% of them live in capitalistic worlds. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, China is a billion people. Mm-hmm. They're not really communists because they make money. Yeah. I don't, I don't think... Anyway. Yeah. Let's continue. 
particularly by the racist police murder of George Floyd and has led to a whole um, revival of discussion that probably would have seen unimaginable just a few weeks ago about what... Do you follow a Facebook group called... I'm, those are certainly words. No. Okay, it's a really great Facebook group where people take pictures of signs and emails they get. Yeah. And it's... They're, it's they're sentences or they're signs, but... And there's definitely words on them, but they don't make sense whatsoever. <laughs> oh my God, I got it. What she said was, <laughs> those are all certainly words. As a society, I guess, about the police. Um, and the debates are now at the level of, do you want to defund the police? Do you want to disband the police? Do you want to abolish the police? And these are, you know, editorials, um, columns in the news. So what I find very interesting about this, when I listen to this podcast, the... It sounded like they really wanted to talk about Indigenous Australians. And it started in, it, off like that. Yeah, but then they quickly go to America, and, and America's issues are very different to the Australian issues. Mm. Uh, and when, when you sort of look at the... the well, I've had a few conversations this week, it, and it, I've really tried to avoid Black Lives Matter. Yeah, me too. Right. But my conversation with everyone this, this week is we need to get to the root cause, cause or causes, yeah. not the symptoms. Yes. Yeah. But even the way she was describing it there was the discussion now is only defund, uh, abandon or abolish the police. I'm like, I guarantee you there's more conversations than just those three options. Uh-huh. Like those are one of uh, three of multiple options, mm. but you're only focusing on those three because those are the ones that you think suit you the best. Mm. But later on, they contradict this completely. Yeah, and once again, this is this is. I don't know much about America, but the American American police system is so different to the Australian police system. Correct. Like they've got their county and their sheriffs in that that county, mm. um, which are funded. We've just got a state and federal police. That's it. That's all we have. Mm-hmm. We don't. Our councils don't have police. No. No. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a very yeah, it's a much. Uh... So they're saying like this is the this is the thing that really frustrated me. I'm like you're saying all this stuff about America, but you don't. And then you try to apply it to Australia, but you just don't know There's that they're so two different. different worlds. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Well, let's see how let, let's keep it going. I even saw an article on news.com.au, which was about the difference between defunding and abolishing the police, which is a Murdoch news website and uh, I never thought that would happen and that's where we are. Um, So people are also thinking then about and discussing for the first time many people and many people listening to this podcast about the history of the police, kind of what the role of the police is in society and so that's what we're going to be talking about. Okay, so they say something there, it's like many people are asking how did the police start and what's the role of the police? Now, it doesn't matter what the role was initially. Mm. It's about what they are today. This is, I heard, So I heard this point and I was thinking the exact same thing of psychology. Freud is the father of psychology. Well, they talk about, right? they talk no, about phrenology just, later. I know, I know. And I was like and, blowing my head and, off. <laughs> and I was like, yes, Freud is the father of psychology. What a lot of Freud said, we do not, not use. use in contemporary exactly. psychology. And it's that's the same thing I was thinking. I'm like, no. There's the. It's fine to talk about the history of police, but it's it's what's going on now. Yeah, you know, in the last ten years of of policing, 
is infinitely different to the 10 years prior to that, mm. you know? And they talk about a whole bunch of fun stuff, but that brought up, they're like, oh, the history of policing, that means there must be the same now. I'm like, well, no, that's r- wrong. That's like saying when you were a baby and you were shitting yourself and you had to get fed by your mother, that you're still, well, they're socialists, so maybe they are doing that. <laughs> but um, it doesn't mean you're still the same. Mm. You know, anyway, let's keep going. On this episode, we... Well, I, I, I had to notice as well, like, just a reminder, um, the police in basically every country is government funded. <laughs> yeah, which is taxpayers <laughs> Which is taxpayers funded. money, obviously, yeah. Yeah. But it's a government function. And under socialism, they want more government. So I don't understand why they want to abolish something that's a government funded item. Mm. Anyway, that's a different story and they don't even go into that. Friends of Red Flag Radio now, Emma Norton and Luca Tavant from Sydney and Melbourne, respectively. Welcome back to Red Flag Radio. Let's jump straight in with the history of the police. So, Luca, why don't we start with you? So I know the history of the police. They were a three-piece band from uh, <laughs> from England, and Sting was the bass player, and he wrote a lot of the songs. But Stuart Copeland actually went on and wrote the uh, music for... The Spyro of the Dragon game. So there you go. That's a bit of the history of the police. Thank you for educating That's me That's all right. It's very good. And the guitar play is very good. A lot of chorus pedal. Um, what sort of led to the first development of the police? Where did this idea come from? How did it happen? Yeah, well, I think uh, to a lot of people, it seems like uh, today that the police have been around, you know, f- uh, from time immemorial since the dawn of humanity. But it's actually, looking back at the history, it's very interesting because the police are a very uh, modern invention, I think. And the police force, as we kind of know it today, um, I think began to, took, to take uh, shape as a result of a series of processes that were really about um, setting up capitalism as a system that's kind of come to um, dominate our lives. And you can kind of pinpoint, I think, All three right, Pause main... there, pause there. I just have to say capitalism is just an evolution. Yes. That's just <laughs> happened over time. It's not an invention. It's just something that... Yeah, we didn't just go one day, we are capitalists now. Yeah, it's... it's. Uh, I'm providing value. Yeah. Uh, My value is perceived by everybody else yeah. as more valuable than somebody and, else's and, value. And you can provide something of value to me, so we'll barter in exchange. Yeah. So two of, my, two of your skills... Two lengths of your skill is worth only is worth one of mine hmm. because of the complexity of it, hmm. or the education level, or the risk factor. Yeah, that's that's why that's why cap- I'll give you thirty chickens and you give me a pig. That's right, because that's what we decided as equal. Yeah, it's not. Well, the, you got thirty chickens, I'll give you thirty pigs. That's not an equal bar- trade at all. <laughs> Very good for you, though. No. Uh, but they talk about the, the start of the police, how it's a very modern invention. And now, when I think modern invention, I think, like, in the last 50 years. Yeah, right. So I was sort of going modern industrial age onwards, uh, depending on the context that it's yeah. in, right? Yeah. But the police have been around since Romans, <laughs> mm. <laughs> like Greeks. Mm. And most likely Egyptians. Egyptians, yeah. You know, just because it wasn't recorded like that, like the primary thing of uh, pursuing law and order on behalf of the people was 
definitely something that occurred. I mean, even in the Greek and Roman times, they had courts. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell me there wasn't law enforcement yeah. doing the job on behalf of the government. Or the king or, or the, the queen. Or the people. Yeah. You know, uh, to do that sort of stuff. Very sneaky way of saying it's like a modern invention, putting it in the minds of the people listening to this, that it could only be like 50 years old. Hmm. Places where the cops uh, start to emerge as an institution. So the first one, interestingly, actually, is um, with the kind of massive expansion. Okay, stop smacking your chip, the chops. Just stop it. Or edit it out. Or buy a pop filter. <laughs> In South, um, which was, I think a lot of people would know, a very essential process for the establishment of capitalism. The cotton fields picked by slaves were what fueled the Industrial Revolution. Okay, this has got me. Yeah. Picking, okay, the Industrial Revolution was the transfer from using people to pick fruits and doing manual labour to changing that over to machinery. Alright, I've got to go back here. Wealth was created, really, wealth was created when we could start farming. Yeah. Because farming meant we could store things. Yeah. Right? So that's that's where, really, when you think about it, before before we had farming... It, we were hunter and gatherers mm. and we might trade, I might come across another tribe and we've got 30 chickens and we yeah, really yeah. want a pig yeah. and we come to that exchange and, and off we go again. And then farming came along mm. and then we could go, oh, wow, we can keep all these cows and yeah. we can breed these cows and, and I can now trade these cows for and this milk for, oh, look, you've put together wheat, wheat and whatever and... and so that, that was sort of the first form of wealth. And then, as you rightly say, after that, we then had this industrial revolution where we then started using machinery. And look, I'm not saying the slavery probably didn't contribute a big part oh, yeah. to that. But what I'm saying is slavery did not, like, fund... I, let's go back to what he said. I can't remember exactly what he said, but... and made the uh, industrial capitalism a system that's kind of come to um, dominate our lives. And you can kind of pinpoint, I think, three main places where the cops uh, start to emerge as an institution. So the first one, interestingly, actually, is um, with the kind of massive expansion of slavery in the American South, um, which was, I think a lot of people would know, a very essential process for the establishment of capitalism. The cotton fields picked by slaves were what fueled the Industrial Revolution it didn't really fuel the Industrial Revolution. In fact, that was superseded by the Industrial Revolution. Because now not only did you not have to keep a person in line or a hundred slaves in line with ten blokes that you privately owned to keep them in line and, and feed and these slaves, but now you can just tell them all to fuck off and get a machine and hire one bloke to do it. Mm. And in fact, you could hire those ten blokes that were keeping the black people or the slaves at your property, you can just put them on tractors and have 10 times the amount of out... Like, that crossover period hmm. into the Industrial Revolution caused them to have less slaves. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, apartheid and... Oh, not apartheid, what's it called? The, uh, you know, Civil War and all that sort of stuff obviously helped that as well. But... I, I don't think... But but also in the American history, and if someone knows and wants to fact-check this, yeah, go please. right ahead. But like it was the South versus the North. The North didn't have 
uh, went into slavery. The South. Well, were, the North still had slaves. Yeah, but the 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 amount. It, it was different. different, and then you, you ended up having that civil war that that was fought over slavery. Well, no, well, the civil war was not fought over slavery. No, oh, but there was a slavery war or something. The, the president, who was the president that wanted that? Um, the civil war wasn't the civil war was mostly fought over taxation because one. Like, you know, it was more aligned with the... I'm not doing a very good no. job here with the facts that I'm bringing to the podcast. <laughs> oh, let's keep going. I'm, I'm at the same level of the red flag. I was going to say, at least, right at least we're not going where the experts, but we're just going, gee, I think there's some more into this in this very large, broad stroke of yeah. what they've said. And made uh, industrial capitalism a possibility. Um, the cops in the United States actually emerged uh, out of slave patrols, who essentially their role was to, uh, they were kind of posses, gangs formed of people, um, vigilantes, who would track down and return uh, escaped slaves uh, to their owners to kind of keep that system of human property uh, intact. The second place where they start to emerge is... um... Okay. I could not find any piece of literature... Hmm, did I? ...that said, uh, as soon as these, what they called, slave patrols ended, they... Con- were somehow converted into the modern or a police type unit on behalf of the government because I'm pretty sure from what I could read the slave patrols were owned by private organizations private organizations yeah yeah so I would highly doubt the government would go let's hire these ex slave patrol people to become our police force it one, I couldn't find any information. Red flag media, red flag, sorry, podcast. If you could get us something, I'd read it. Mm-hmm. And I want to double check your sources. And because I would double check my own sources. Two, I don't think it's right. <laughs> <laughs> but we're about to do the second point of where mm. the police came from. So far, he did. He said that, like those slave guys, like the slave. What's it called? The slave. Um, Patrols became cops, which I couldn't find as being true. The British colonization of Ireland um, and obviously establishment of colonies for some of the first capitalist powers is a really crucial process, again, for creating a world market and establishing their supremacy over the rest of the world. And in Ireland, um, Ireland's occupied initially by the British army, but they find that just, um, you know, an army is good for invading a country, but for managing a, a population that you want to oppress and exploit, um, an army occupation over the long term is not a very sustainable thing. Really, all soldiers are good at is uh, killing people. And so um, the Royal Ulster Constabulary was the first kind of uh, modern police force, um, which was invented by uh, Robert Peel. People would know um, Robert Peel, um, the Bobbies, as they call them in Britain, the British police are um, named for him. Um, he, just, he established them as a new type of institution that was actually uh, essentially organised to suppress and uh, coerce a, you know, an occupied population over the long term by surveilling communities, by being you know, able to deal out violence against people uh, that rose up and preemptively kind of nip in the bud any uprisings that might be um, a, res- a result of the occupation. Um, the last thing was... Um, okay, so... The so, ums are killing me. Sorry? The ums are killing me. It's terrible, oh. isn't it? It's absolutely terrible. There was a lot in this, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was wrong. So all you had to do, all you had to do was give us a timeline of events. If you're talking about history, a good thing to do for people to understand what you're talking about is give us years mm-hmm. and dates. Mm-hmm. And just like all women, the lack- they, these <laughs> people are really bad at times and measure and measuring things. 
<laughs> so, can I give you some history that I could find very easily on oh. Wikipedia? And the other thing that would really help, just this is just my suggestion. Please, can you can you just give us the quick forty five second or a elevator pitch pitch, and then so I know where you're going to take this whole thing. Yeah. And then break it down for me. Yes. Give me the elevator pitch and then break it down. Okay. So the colonization mm-hmm. by the U- by Europe, by yep. sorry, by the UK, mm-hmm. British, yeah, yeah, the Brits. in Ireland, yeah, happened in the eighteen uh, the sixteen hundreds by King Henry the Eighth. Now, <laughs> yes. Then he said something called the Royal Ulster. Uh, um, Constabulary, mm-hmm. and he said that happened at the same sort of time. Now, the colonization happened in 1600s. 1600s, yep. The Royal, the RUC, yeah, came about in 1922. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's about <laughs> that's a few centuries. That's a bit later on, yeah. And then he said it was created by that. That was created by Robert Peel, who was a British Prime Minister mm-hmm. and an economist, and this and mm-hmm. that. And I find that also very hard to believe mm. because he died in 1850. <laughs> <laughs> so none of it, none of it was right. But they did that. Yes, Robert Peel actually did put together the uh, one of the first or what we call the Metropolitan Police Force within London. Mm-hmm. And he had three basic principles. Yeah. And that was to smash the heads in of all black and other type. No, of course it wasn't. It was that every police officer gets a number for accountability. Um, that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, the, the police are not measured on how many people they arrest, but they're judged on how little crime there actually is in the city. Yeah. Which, again, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense, yeah. You know? And uh, the police are the public, and the public are the police. Mm. Because a regular Joe could walk off the street and go, I want to become a police, be trained and be proud of that community but as soon as he takes off his uniform he goes back to being a public person mm-hmm. those are pretty good fucking principles to have yeah. yeah that i would say that even our police force probably still has i was gonna say i've never really had a run in oh, i've been i've been uh you know the the drink driving testing thingamajigs you know breathalyzers yeah. and i've been pulled over twice for a breath test yeah but haven't been drink driving yeah off you go off you go uh yeah there's a fallacy thing that i was reading about today mm. the absence failure yeah which i don't know about this one which one's this oh well this is this is the if you don't see someone doing something are they actually doing work yeah and so i don't see the police policing yes are but, they actually doing police work and uh uh, I'm bet you they're they're bloody preventing a a hell of a lot of crime uh, being out there and doing what they're doing. It's like the uh, the CFA, the fire brigades have yeah. a have a motto. Every time the fire truck goes out the door, they're failed. Yeah. Okay. Because the job of the firefighter is not to attend fires; it's to educate the public mm. about how to prevent fires from occurring. Mm. And I'm sure that the police don't like going out to jobs. Mm. I'm sure that. The family violence unit doesn't like going out to stop family family violence. I'm sure that the uh, specialist teams don't like going out and stopping potential attacks. I'm sure that 
the general duties cop doesn't like turning up to a a crime scene or you know a, but i just a, think of all these I, but i just think oh when i was listening to this this is what i was finding frustrating i was going Okay, so we've had these number of terrorist plots spoiled here in Australia. Oh yeah, there was a big article about and, it. And you read about like the by the time they arrest them is they've started buying the material, they're putting it together. Mm. It's the intent is so bloody clear, and then they arrest them. Yes. Uh, and go bravo, amazing, bravo. We need that. Yeah, we need that. Uh, blue light discos. Yeah, community right? funded uh, police po- run po- police yeah. program. To get into the communities mm. to support the kids, another fantastic program. But they do, they do. It's not just again. It's not the police. Work. You don't see if you're not seeing the police work. Mm. It means you're probably in a safe place. Mm. You know, if you're not hearing sirens every day or this and that, it means it. You know, I'm sure certain suburbs of Melbourne have more police going to them than others. Yeah, and the other really interesting thing is because the, the later on they talk about abolish the police, abolish the police, yada yada yada. And I'm going, you, you, I, I remember two years ago working with someone on Christmas Eve who was about telling me that they're going to commit suicide, mm. right? And I got to the point where I was like, right, now I've got to inform the police. And it was, thank God that we had the police because then they could put a phone trace on the individual mm. and then we could actually locate the individual and through their network, because I'm in one part of Victoria, the person's in the other part of Victoria and completely yeah. lying to me where they are, they're able to send the police to them. Mm. Oh, very frustrating. It's, it's yeah. It, uh, the the cops are definitely not just there to, to beat the shit out of people. No, that's it's not the intent. Well, we did see what happened with George Floyd, and that stuff needs to change. But of course it does. I'm not saying it isn't. But what they're saying here is that's all they they do, mm. and I guarantee, I guarantee you, there'd be a lot more psychopaths joining the police force if that's all that they could do. Mm-hmm. Right, let's keep going. The kind of urbanization that came with the development of capitalism, working class people being concentrated for the first time in really, really big towns and centers of industry, which obviously created a group of people that are really scared the, the new capitalist ruling class um, because workers could organize collectively, get together, have meetings, and they had a huge amount of social power and their ability to shut down production. And so in many cases, the first police forces in you know countries like um, Britain and the United States and big urban centers were uh, kind of copied from the models of the slave patrols and the, um, no, the Irish police force and applied to their own uh, local populations as a tool for social control. Um, So you'll notice with all those examples, like one thing that they're not about is fighting crime. I think a lot of people have a conception that the police, um, you know, the kind of origin of the police were in some detective agency where a group of people got together and started dusting for fingerprints or something like that. But really it was about different techniques to repress and surveil uh, potentially rebellious populations that wanted to fight back against conditions of exploitation. Emma, do you want to add anything to that? Everything. <laughs> everything was wrong. If I could just take a photo of you, that's fucking hilarious. Every, everything was just... No, the police don't... Uh, I, can't even, I can't even describe it. The police don't... It's like, the, like I said, the CFA. Yeah. Their thing is it's to educate the public in order not to commit crime. They're not there to suppress... They're only going to suppress you if you're committing a crime mm. because there's this unwritten contract that you have once you're born and once you become an active member of society that you say, hey, I won't break the laws. And if I don't break the laws, I'll be able to retain the rights that I have. Mm-hmm. That's the trade-off. Mm-hmm. You know, that way I can vote. 
Mm-hmm. I can not be on a sex offender register. I can <laughs> I can go visit my family. I can do I can do I can have a license. Mm-hmm. I can do all these things as long as I don't break the law. And he uses an example later, and I show I, I guarantee you know the one. There was something, and I'm jumping the gun again, but I just yeah. get so 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 frustrated with listening to this. There was something to do with um, this group protesting the uh, um, the Victorian Socialists did something like I think it was last year where they sat down in the middle of near Flinders Street Station. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, the uh, climate change one. Yeah, and they uh, did extinction, that, and they did they did that blockade. Now, me as a regular Joe, okay, yeah, I, I agree, climate change, yada yada yada. Let's let's do yeah. something. But how you're doing about that and pissing a hell of a lot of people off? That's not how you win supporters. I, I would be like, I'm trying to get somewhere. I'm yeah. trying to work. I'm trying to pay my bills. I, and in my mind, I'd be like, police arrest all these people and lock them up because you're pissing a hell of a or lot of find people them. off. Or they've yeah. done something wrong. And then the same it was with the... I'll have to show you this clip as well. Cause Please. I, I found it two weeks ago. The There was a mining conference last year. I remember that. Yeah, mining yeah. Mining conference. And there's a video of the Victorian socialists and they're talking about our strategy is to blockade. Now, I'm pretty sure that uh, blocking people in a free country to attend an event, where we have basically freedom of speech, mm. is illegal. I would say so yeah like, I, i'm not a lawyer but it sounds wrong but if you're gonna block people and you're intending to block so and they i remember them getting upset about the police and uh, and, and i'm going no that is a conference I, and in that conference as well i i know i know of two people who've spent 15 bloody years working on capturing carbon dioxide from coal plants yeah who were at that mining who are doing more to solve the climate change pollution yeah. problem than any of those protests. You know what? I remember that, and because I, I work around that hmm. where it was, and I saw it out the windows, and the big thing was that whole thing. And I saw it on the news as well. The big thing was that was a uh, a mining conference about moving towards greener solutions. Yeah, and all of those people there were trying to find a greener solution. Yeah. It's just we can't flip the switch yeah. to renewable energies no, tomorrow. No, because you need to continue the energy. Yeah. To imagine build the imagine things. if we didn't have energy. Yeah. There would be riots in the street. Shall we keep going? Yeah, all right. Let's let's do it. Uh yeah. Well I think I think that starting point of people weren't afraid of Okay, she's the best speaker on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crime or something. Or I mean the ruling class kind of was on one level, but um there was not an uh, equal appreciation of the need for police in the early 1800s when it was being established. Uh, it was resisted and hated by ordinary people and seen as a real imposition on their... Again, I couldn't find any information about that. I don't know where she's talking about or... or... Yeah, I think she said the 1800s about the police introduction and the creation and stuff like that. And she's saying that, the, I guess, the poorer people didn't hmm. like it as much. Again, I couldn't find any information on that. See, you'll probably find some information up in Ballarat. Yeah. Because the gold mines. Yeah. And then the police was formed and... Uh, well, I, I would say that the the police was formed, you know, even if someone got something stolen, having the police there to be able to go, that's their responsibility to retrieve it on your behalf. 
mm-hmm. and capture the person that poor or rich i'm sure the police would work for you because it's a government institution mm-hmm. uh their rights uh and at the same time it was something that was really campaigned for by particularly the like wealthy merchant class the slave owners in the american south uh the merchants who became rich off um the slave colonies in uh in england and, and so on factory owners people like that who wanted order um, and actually, uh, someone who is a really celebrated bourgeois economist and, and philosopher is Adam Smith, who wrote The Wealth of Nations. And the original title of The Wealth of Nations was actually uh, a, a Lectures on the Police. That's incorrect. That is incorrect. That is incorrect. Unless she can prove it otherwise, nowhere on earth has that ever said that. Mm-hmm. There's a, definitely a paper about the police that he's written before. But the Wealth of Nations was never called anything about the police because that's not what the document was about. Um, because he was part of a whole coterie of, uh, of wealthy merchants and, and uh, bourgeois economists who were arguing for a more, um, you know, kind of violent approach to containing the, um, the working class at that time. Uh, and he All said right, quite famously there, in there. that... Actually, no, maybe she doesn't. No, keep, keep going, keep going. Civil government, so far as it is instituted for the sanctity of property, is in reality instituted for the defence of the rich against the poor. And I think that kind of sums up um, some of the the institutions that came into being at this time, both the police but also prisons and um, and the courts and so on. Pris- prisons have been around prisons since the Roman around. times. Yeah, yeah. Since forever. Forever and ever. What I, what I actually I struggled with is the flipping. The they talk they they talk talking about US then they're talking about England and then they're talking about yeah uh, something else. This is like when we talked to the flat Earth guy and he kept sweeping between metric and imperial. Mm. Like just stick with one, fully, in like go with all one. Yeah, and then go similarly and then go yeah. across. Yeah, would have made a lot. And then the lack of the lack of like if you're going to pull something out of a book, right? Reference it. Reference it. Give me a page number. Say, hey, by the way, here's the book, page 25. And you know what? Blah, 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 blah. I researched something like this. I, they, I pulled a lot of research on some stats later on. Put it in your link description. Hmm. I did not do that. You know, you're trying to be like an educational podcast. I can't just take you on your word. Otherwise, we would have believed the flat earth guy. <laughs> um, so I think a good way of thinking about the police uh, at this time is that they solved a series of problems that the capitalist system had created. Um, there's an inherent contradiction in the system, which is that... On- so, so for what you just said, the capitalistic system naturally developed over time by people. And it wasn't just developed in London. It was developed worldwide, mm-hmm. basically. Like, you know, in different forms, different levels. Um, capitalistic systems created crime. Bull fucking shit. Capitalist systems prevent crime. <laughs> System, because it's based on competitive accumulation for profit, requires a stable, controlled, orderly system that operates almost like clockwork. You want the peaceful operation of markets, of factories, of transport, and so on. And even in a, even a minor disruption to that can cause serious economic damage. And the reason why there's minor economic, uh, minor disruption to that is people protest. Well... A bunch of things. <laughs> no, I take that back. Um, if you, but it's a whole bunch of things. It could be crime, any type of crime. If you murder the CFO, yeah, or the CEO of, of a podcast like ours, hmm. 
then you stop that economic development. That's right. You know, you uh, stop a whole bunch of things. But if you kill pe- kill people or steal from people, or whatever it is, that's still a crime. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're but if you're doing an illegal activity, even if like you know, I think marijuana should be legal. I think cocaine should be legal, but doesn't mean I should start just growing it because <laughs> it's illegal. Mm-hmm. What the? Oh God, I can't remember what she said. It's just so much crap. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. The, the, in a capitalistic system, a business needs to earn profit. If they can't earn profit, then they're not going to exist. Yeah. Now, the reason why people work for someone is that they, uh, what do you call it? They're giving up their time, yeah. generally. Yeah. They're getting money and they're working for that, or, that organization, which can employ them. They get the money, which they can then spend however they see fit to exactly. however they want to spend that exactly. money. Right, and one of the things is, but I, you have the choice. In the I'm capitalistic all, system, you have the choice, to and I'm all work about the, wherever you want. I'm all about the equal, uh, equal opportunity. But the whole uh, one of the whole things is, you have to build leverage. Yeah. When you're 18 and you get out of school, you basically don't have any leverage. No. You've got to get entry level jobs. Yeah. You've got to build skills. Yeah, I was payroll that I hated for you a couple of years. You bloody worked at a at a. At, at, at Woolworths. Oh, I worked at Coles back Coles, in the day. Or whatever it was. But it g- gave me per, uh, customer service skills. Mm. It gave me ability to talk with employees, work in a group, uh, health and safety stuff. Yeah. And then working in payroll, I learned a whole bunch of stuff like communicating over the phone, via emails, uh, legislation, policy, how to talk to, you know. Uh, and you develop more skills and you develop more leverage. That's right. That's all and, you're doing. And, and, and an 18-year-old doesn't have that. No. That. You know, maybe they go out and start a cafe, or they've got a business idea, or they see a gap or a need, and they build leverage very quickly. Exactly. But if you're going to work for someone in the system, the, but the capitalistic system is basically you. I see a problem, mm. uh, provided I've actually haven't sunk, you know, a lot of capital into it that may or may not exist. But there's ways you can figure that out. But I see a problem. I try and solve this problem, mm. and I try and make. Other people's lives better. And if I'm successful in solving the problem, other people want to buy that solution. Yeah. And I sell it. And eventually, you have so much business, you have to hire other people mm-hmm. to work for you mm-hmm. to help sell that solution. To, to and a lot else. of entrepreneurs fucking fail and fail oh, yeah. and fail and lose a lot of fucking money. And then maybe one, one day they'll hit the jackpot. There's only... You know what? You only hear about the successful people. Hmm. You know, for every one successful person, there's 10,000 failures. You know, and that person who succeeded probably failed 10 times. So you're hearing the 0.1%, you know, or like they're saying now that 1% of people Hmm. that are the crib of the crop because they're the people that are dedicated enough to put in the hours, the effort, the time, lose slightly win lose a lot win a bit you know and build up a business an idea a whatever it is into something that society deemed valuable i mean microsoft like like apple or microsoft Mm -hmm. products 200 years ago would have seemed stupid yeah but at the time that they became successful like the ipad or the sorry the uh just look at at apple apple steve jobs got got kicked out by his board. Yeah. Then they brought him back. I think they had something like 60 days of money left before they had to turn a profit. Yeah. And Steve Jobs worked his his ass off. Yeah. 
he he was an uh, interesting conversation I had with someone else. I said, if you, if someone said, oh, what do you think of Steve Jobs? And I said, it's the same as what I think of, of Jeff Bezos from Amazon yeah. or, or, you know, Bill Gates and Microsoft. If you're in a senior management team, yeah. you're there to fucking work. Oh, yeah. You're not there to go, I work nine to five. No, you're on 24 The reason why you work for that person is you believe in their mission and you're fucking working all the fucking time. And you've got to remember, like, but if you're, a if guy you're a, like, uh, let's go back to Jeff Bezos. Hmm. His idea was... I'm going to sell books books online. Yeah. And he would have bunches of books in his garage and he would just mail them out. Yeah. And that was Amazon. Yeah, that was Amazon. And in fact, they got a bit busy and he goes, oh, he was saying to his, his workmate, oh, we've got to get knee pads. And his workmate was saying, no, we need a packing table. Yeah. And so Jeff Bezos was on the floor packing those books. Yeah. And... As time goes on, the busier he got, the more help he could get, hmm. the more people could employ, yeah. the more skills. Amazon was actually at a point back in 1999-2000, it its share price reduced dramatically and Wall Street was going, this business is not profitable. This hmm. business is going to, going to fall. And Jeff goes, no, no, no. We just had to get past... We just had to... Uh, uh, people were buying more and more products. We hmm. just hadn't got past our fixed costs. Yeah. We just had to, you know, we were spending all this money on fixed costs, but you could see our volume were increasing. Like we were going to get over that mm. point and then we were going to become profitable. Yeah. It seems like... They, and he kept reinvesting that capital. They they just, I think that, you know, rich people, lots of people have old money. I'll give you that. Hmm. But there's lots of new ventures right now that people came from absolutely no money to having money now through this capitalistic idea that, that they can develop something. But the police are just there to keep law and order. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor because you can still go to jail. That's right. You, <laughs> you can be can Jeffrey still, Epstein. You can be Jeffrey Epstein. Well. <laughs> that it created actually the most unruly um, and kind of... Uh, uh, mass kind of exploited class in all of history, uh, the working class, uh, a really rambunctious and... But, uh, they keep saying this, the working class is the lowest class hmm. and they're different from the upper class. But they never describe what the difference is. Hmm. Like they talk about how much income or how much money they have. Then they go Henry later. Ford, right? Henry yeah. Ford would probably be considered the upper class when he built Ford and But had, he came from nothing. Had all those people working for him. But exactly, he had he came from nothing and built that. Mm. He he and to me this is going Huge anti Semite. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. But it's actually the first Ford was used to um, to run over Jews. I did not know. That. <laughs> okay, all right. He's pulling your leg, people, he's pulling your leg. <laughs> I have to keep some jokes in the show. But he 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 built that. And anyone else who has that dream and wants to work for it can build it. Yeah. Yep. Radically democratic uh, class that from very early on organised uh, massive demonstrations, strikes, uh, protests and so on. So this is what the ruling class was dealing with in the 1800s. And, have, and they didn't actually have anything to solve it at that time. There wasn't a police force, um, like you said at the start, Roz. Right, this pause, was not pause, pause. Uh, something that exists. Workers at Ford, for instance, I don't know, making this up, could protest against Henry. And they mm. probably did I'm about sure their did. working conditions. Yeah. 
that's fair enough. Like they can do that. That's enterprise agreements and bargaining agreements, and and we, we... and that's something that deve- had to develop over yeah. time. But Henry Ford was. But like that's the... not a. Po- that's not really the. But wait, a minute. Henry Ford was like one of the first people. He's a really interesting dude. Hmm. He was like the first guy to go. Oh, I'd rather people go home and sleep. I'd rather them work eight hours, because if they work eight hours today, they can comfortably work eight hours tomorrow. But if they work 12 hours today, they can't comfortably work eight hours, 12 hours tomorrow. Hmm. I'd rather them go home. He was very revolutionary about finding the exact balance hmm. between how many hours you should work at, at work and get the best out of your employees. Yeah. And in turn, the employees give the best back to you because they're happy. And they're getting money, which they can then spend spend however they want. Exactly right. Listed before, there were uh, there was a military that you could have come in, ride in with sabers and murder everyone and have massacres. This uh, was not a very useful thing when you have constant rebellions from below, because it would create martyrs. Um, You would have, you know, often it would actually uh, boost the cause of those uh, of those rebellions. Uh, And then you had a pretty defunct and ineffectual. kind of series of Night's Watchmen and people who were basically uh, appointed by lottery to, you know, have a part-time job of kind of going around and trying to uh, contain disorder. So this is totally uh, unacceptable to the capitalist class after a while. What they needed was a... Uh, why? We, we have neighbourhood watches. Most, I would say, rich people wouldn't mind a neighbourhood watch. Mm-hmm. They might not want to be on it, yeah. but... I'm sure that if someone goes, hey, we're making a neighborhood watch, they'd be like, yeah, that sounds good to me. I'll give you some money for it to get it going. Yeah. I'm happy with that. I couldn't follow the point here. <laughs> no. Mm. Uniformed, um, waged uh, police force that could go amongst the population, um, you know, spy on them, survey them, uh, and keep them in line. Um, one of the early, if I can How do we on. know that? I- She's a mind, I, I'm, am, I'm always amazed. Like, I don't know how... Maybe I need to become a socialist because then I can get the ability to read minds of people in the past. Yeah. Uh, there must be a superpower. I, I still don't get it. Like, every police force or every police... I don't know, whatever you want to call them. Just whatever police unit, whatever the police... I could not find one that was like... Anything that they're talking about that was privately funded. All of these are government institutions. Mm. A bit longer. One of the early examples of this that I think is really telling is of the um, the police on the River Thames, which was actually the first police force before the... Okay, this is my favourite story. <laughs> this is my favourite story. Uh, the Metropolitan Police in England. So this was in 1798 and a... Wealthy merchant named Patrick Calhoun uh, introduced them. He'd been campaigning for years to other merchants, managed to get a police force of 50, um, 50 uniformed, salaried police officers. And their first job was actually to police the dock workers on the River Thames, who commonly just took, you know, bags of sugar and bags of tobacco and stuff that they had helped unload off the ships. They saw that as part of their wage. This is just unacceptable to the capitalist class and the merchants. And so they actually had a, this police force that its main job was to pay wages to the workers workers and then to uh, enforce an anti-theft dress code. So they were like the pocket police. They would go around and pat down workers as they left and so on. Um, And to give you a sense of how... All right, isn't that what the police is meant to do? (laughs) Which is 
Oh, church, I, I am this merchant. Come work on the wharf with sure. me. And I will pay you a gold coin every week. That's fantastic. And you've got to take these products that I've paid for and I've taken the risk to bring over here and I still need to sell because I haven't made a profit yet. No. And I need you to help unpack that and load that onto the horse and the carts, which is going to take it off to the market. Yeah, sure. So you're going to pay me a gold coin. Well, I'm going to take, without telling you, I'm hmm. going to take a pack of this cigarette, uh, these tobacco every week. But that's not part of our agreement. I don't care. I'm still doing it. Well, I'm going to fire you. Because oh, in fucking in modern day work, <laughs> that's fraud. And you're out. Oh, it is, is it? <laughs> oh, uh, you know what you should do? This uh, is the third person. Yeah. You should get people who enforce <laughs> the law <laughs> to work for you. That sounds like a good idea. So these people were stopping people committing crimes. Hmm. That wasn't downtrodding the workforce. That was keeping law and order. Mm-hmm. That's stealing. Yeah, they were stealing. How is that a good thing? (laughs) Like, unacceptable this was to the working class at the time. Uh, Within a year, 6,000 workers workers and their families had attempted to burn down that police station. I'm sorry. They were stealing. Of course it's unacceptable if the police is starting to pat them down. Yes. Because they're not getting away with what they could get away with. No. No. You made, you know... If you go into your work, let's just say you work at McDonald's and they go, hey, we'll pay you, I don't know, 20 bucks an hour and your job is to do this. And then you go, yeah, great. And after uh, work's done, I'm cooking up 500 Big Macs <laughs> every week and I'm taking those home. I'm not paying for them. It's like, no, you, you can't do that. Uh, if you do that, we'll arrest you. Hmm. No, you're downtrodding the workers. No, you're stealing. <laughs> You're stealing. It's a, this is such a stupid... I don't know why she brings this up as a positive outlook on why we should defund, def, defund the police. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. This is like... It's not even corporate big wig this and that like killing people. It's like, no, a bunch of people were stealing and now they don't have jobs because they were stealing. Yeah. Balloon inside, so... Um, This was a really contested thing for many years and it's why it took them 30 years after that to actually introduce uh, the Metropolitan Police. Mm. I mean, Uh. one other funny thing about the Night Watchmen was that mostly they were seen as pretty inefficient because they were drunk a lot of the time because they just were working on their own and they just wandered around and didn't really fancy doing much because why would they? So um, they could get away with things. Whereas the, the police become, as a unit of people, I think, disciplined um, to patrol in a very uh, specific way. And actually, Marx and Engels, you know, they're working on their analysis of capitalism in this period in the, in the mid-1800s and looking at particularly the experiences of workers in um, Britain but also internationally and thinking about how the police as this new institution that hasn't been seen before capitalism is actually there really yeah, as, a cl- as a tool of the ruling class to help um, exploit these workers who are having this experience for the first time of being forced into this exploitative relationship. What? 
<laughs> Didn't we just say they were stealing? They just said they were stealing. She said it. It's like they put in anti-theft people, which were these new police officers. Look, what she said, some of those were words. <laughs> you know, I like the fact we're reviewing this show. We're not only reviewing the content, but we're bold enough to, to review their ability to talk. <laughs> An ability to form coherent sentences. Look, if I was putting a uh, a podcast like this together, yeah, I would be speaking to the other uh, presenters, yeah, and I would be thinking about a coherent because you're talking about the she's talking about the the wharf or something, yeah, and then they've gone back to the night watchman. No, I would go. What's a logical order that we could present these Dates, events, times? If we're doing the history of something. Yeah. It's very... Like, First, I'll talk about this, then I'm going to hand it over to you to talk about yeah. X, then we'll hand I mean, it back over like to here. Doc- you know, yeah. this reminds me of the... Do- of There's two types of documentaries. One that are nice, easy, chronological, this is what happened, and then this is what happened, and that's how we are today. Or they go, this is how we are today. How did we get here? And then they go through the history. This is more like the ancient aliens way, where they go... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 200 years ago, these guys saw a thing in the sky, but 15,000 years ago... Then they saw these in the ancient ruins. And there's no coherent lot link. But they could be the, connected. But they could be connected. <laughs> um, with the ruling class. And so it's not surprising, really, when people have been driven off their land into these urban areas, forced to work, you know, worked in appalling conditions for, you know, a pittance of a wage that they rebel and they resist and then the ruling class think oh we've got to stop them from doing this and that's sort of really one of the key um one of the key things where's that crossover period where you become a wealthy merchant a poor merchant to wealthy merchant to ruling class Mm. like where where do they draw that line like obviously in their head they have like a thing that all rich people are bad is that what you're getting out of this? Yeah, that's uh, every time. The amount of times I listen to, I said capitalism. They're trying to frame capitalism as bad, and I'm going, it's capitalism is, is it, what it's keeps a mechanism. you is what keeps you warm at night. Yeah. Is the reason we uh, I, and the that, home the homelessness is issue is 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 something we need to address, right? Mm. But it's because of capitalism we have like 95 percent of the population in a house. Yeah. And in a warm bed. Mm. And can buy food. Or and the fact that we have an abundance of food. It, yes, the abundance the, that we the, have in society today. that yeah. we have right now to deliver goods <laughs> yeah. across the world. And it actually, it actually means that we can now enter more of the service industry. So Which is why we, we're currently in urbanised cities. Because the work previously was in big lots of land for farming. Yeah, and then it moved The average the- person doesn't have to do that anymore. The average person can enter the service industry. That's why more people can, can go off and learn an instrument or learn a second language or, you know, play video games. Or travel. Or travel. Because if you were 200 years ago and we didn't change this, you know, Ability to move. And I'd much rather be yeah, a now. poor person today oh, yeah. than a poor person 200 years ago. Oh, oh, no, sorry. I'd much rather be a poor person today than a wealthy person 200 years ago. Yeah. Oh, you'd be fucked. Yeah. Because there's no heating. There's no ice. <laughs> there's, you know, there's 
no recorded music. There's no all these little luxuries that we have now mm-hmm. are things of pure imagination. Mm. Two hundred years ago. Okay, go on. Things that the police really were about trying to um, enable as much exploitation as possible. So if it's not about fighting crime, I mean, we've kind of talked about this a bit, but... Um, but wasn't it, like, they just said they used to stop people from thieving from ships. Isn't that crime? Hmm. Isn't that about fighting crime? That is about fighting crime. Mm. I guess a question that comes up in terms of who the police are is, you know, if they're workers then, does that make them part of the working class? Because they're working for a wage as well. Okay, this is my fa- this is There's so many of my favourite bits, but this is a bit where they... I think they start to realise that they should have done more research. <laughs> um, like, even if their role is to sort of uh, do some of this kind of patrolling work for the ruling class, they're still essentially workers. Is that something you want to say something about, Luca? Yeah, I think that that's, um, it's not just an interesting analytical question in terms of, you know, you know what class position do uh, police uh, cops occupy, but... It's an important question that virtually any significant kind of social movement has to come up against at some point, because anytime people collectively get together and try to change something dramatically about society, it's inevitable that they're going to come up against the armed force of the state, which exists to kind of enforce that status quo. And we can obviously see that um, right now as we speak with the mass protests in response to George Floyd's murder in the United States and across the world. And yeah, I guess there's a the key kind of debate is whether the police are part of the working classes uh, you mentioned. I only took him thirty seconds to get there, but we're finally going to find an answer. <laughs> one of the see, one of the things is is just okay. This is this is my two cents on, on George Floyd and the policing situation, and I don't know too much, but right. I look at this and go, "There's clearly a need to retrain these police officers. That is a potential causal factor. The fact that that, that officer, I think, was on him for eight minutes. Yeah." Right where I'm going, you should have been able to restrain. There should and have been other actions and oh, other things sure. should have should have been able to happen. Uh, so to me, this sounds like a training issue. And then reading a little bit further, going, well, a lot of the police come from the military. Yeah, right. So true. not not all of them, but a lot of them come from the military. And there's that sort of military thing where we're going. Well, part of the job me needs to be de-escalating. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe the best thing might have been to call an Uber. Rather than, you know, talk to that person and go, right, we're going to get you in a taxi or an Uber and we're going to send you home. See, I, I, I think we both... And to me, that goes, to me that goes, all right, why did that person, why did that police officer do that? Were they just an asshole? Well, I think we or both looked at this... Or is it a training? I think, we, a I think we training both... Training issue. Uh, very interesting. I think we both looked at this in the same way. Because while it was a white man kneeling on the neck of a black man, I looked at this as... I didn't look at this as a racial issue. Because... The biggest thing I thought about with this was that I wasn't in the police officer's head when it happened. Hmm. And I there's no way in hell that I could ever say he did this because he was a black man and he would have acted differently if it was a white man. Yeah, I've got no idea. I can't, I I can't answer that. And because of that reason, I go, okay, I can't look at this as a racial issue. I have to look at, and like you said, the causal actions. Why did he... What in his training made him act in the way that he did? And why did the other police officers see that that action was correct? Because 
I'm sure that if you do something stupid at work, you make go stop doing that, do something else, or mm. you know. But all of those people thought what he was doing was correct. All right, I want to go. I want. I'm going to take you in a different different please, pathway. Please. Um, so before the financial crisis in 2008, mm-hmm. um, there was a period of time where a lot of blacks in America couldn't actually get loans. Yeah. So a lot of whites were getting loans. So back 2000-ish. But a lot of black people couldn't get loans. And the government went, well, there's a potential racial issue here. Mm. Right. Now, the bankers would have said something along the lines of, no, these people don't qualify. This person that's come to me doesn't qualify for a loan. Mm -hmm. So, okay, there's obviously something's going happening there. If uh, more white people are getting loans Mm. from the banks and a lot of black people aren't getting loans from the banks, even though the bankers aren't being racist because they're not qualifying, there's something's gone on yeah. on there. And then when you look at it, you go, okay, well, the opportunities that black, largely black communities have mm. is less than, than the opportunities yeah, that the, the white communities, and there's a number of reasons why that's, that's, yeah. that's happened. But then you also look at it, a poorer communities in America mean that the, 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 they, those communities pay less tax, which means there's less money for the school system, <laughs> right? Whereas, you know, the, we've got a lot of the whites in America where they are, are more wealthier, so they pay more tax. So there's more money for the school system. So we're already there from an educational point of view. There's inequity in the funding of schools. Yes. Now, that doesn't happen in Australia. Australia's a little bit different, different in far as, you know, here's the government money, your school per student, you get paid this, right? It's much different than, than that. And to me, that goes okay. Well, the the issue there then is not it's not a banking issue. No, it's an opportunity issue where government has to then uh, work on the policies and, right. and and help correct that. Again, I looked at this as not a racial issue. I looked yeah. at this as what's the underlying issue of causing the racism or causes, yeah, causes. Which to me, I just went uh, eight minutes of what he was doing is really bad training, or that cop is an asshole. Yeah. Exactly right. And again, I don't know if it's a, in his head if he was a racist because I was not in his head and I didn't know the guy from a bar of soap. And I'm sure that 99.99% of the people in the world also don't know him from a bar of soap. So I would rather want to know... And you know what? In f- five weeks, I bet you couldn't pick him up in a lineup. Yeah. So I'd much rather know what I want to know what their training system's like. Exactly. And how do they? why they trained that way. How do we overcome that, that potential training? Let's have a look at drivers. Most cops um, do not own factories. They work for a wage. So superficially, they can seem to be uh, quite similar to other workers. You know, they're even a branch under emergency uh, services, like, for instance, firefighters who um, socials are very supportive um, when they organize and take action. But I don't think uh, for Marxists, we don't understand uh, the class position of different groups of people in society just by, you know, uh, how they receive their remuneration, how they're paid, whether they work for a wage. It's about your relationship to the rest of society and how production is organized. And the thing about the police force is that everything about their existence pits them against the working class as a whole. So the police exist to, um, for instance, police picket lines when workers try to organize industrial action to strike for better wages and conditions. The force that is sent down to break up those picket lines and resume business as usual is the police. Um, They exist to uh, enforce all sorts of uh, just uh, social control on ordinary people from, you know, finding and imprisoning people for uh, homelessness and sleeping on the streets um, to targeting uh, minority sections of the working class who are oppressed. Um, And particularly they exist to uh, police and respond to uh, protests, riots, any type of uprising where people collectively 
working class people get a sense of their agency and power by um, taking on the government, corporations, uh, symbols of authority. So everything that the police do in their day to day life ranges them against um, ordinary working class people. And it means. Yeah, I, I think like the police should really let all them pedophiles go because obviously they're downtrodden the working class of the pedophile. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> oh, the downtrodden criminal class, you know, that's selling drug meth to kids or, you know, or selling. Like, are you, are you fuck? What the fuck are you talking about? Uh-huh. It's not real. Or the picket. You're looking at like. Or the, the picket lines where I'm going. I, I'm not. Uh, prove me wrong. Feel free to prove me wrong. More than happy. But I'm going. I'm not aware of any picket lines where police have arrested people unless that picket line has stopped other people who want to work yeah. to get into that factory. Or on the other way around. They keep the streets clear from cars so they can match up to Parliament. Yeah. That's something that happens on a very regular basis. And without them, I'm sure lots of cars would be hitting lots of protesters. And I've seen a number of, yeah, I've seen a number of pro- organised protests where yeah. they work with the police who, who clear the path for them. They do the job. And they say, look, Yarra Trams, you can't do it. And that way, everyone gets warning. Everyone can plan their day around it rather than just stopping things in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. Or you know what? That guy that drove down Burke Street, the police stopped him. Mm-hmm. Sure. That person may have been downtrodden, this and that, but he was killing a lot of people. <laughs> I'm sort of glad that the police did their job. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Uh, yeah, just because they earn a wage doesn't mean that like they own a way like doesn't mean just because they work for that means every government worker and everyone that works for Amazon is part of the elite by their logic because they work for people to oppress others well if you're a packer at Amazon you're pressing others because Jeff Bezos has all this power Hmm. that doesn't make what the where where? I I how long have we been going for now we're in 20. All right, I think, we're, I think we're done. We're done? We're done. We've got through 40, 14 minutes and 50 seconds <laughs> of this episode, people. That's how much... Part two, there's a clear... Uh, they change... They, they do a little music thing. And yeah, they, yeah. They, but do you want to get to that? Well, I've, I'm busting to go to the Okay, toilet. well, you know what? Let's... <laughs> do you want to go to the toilet and finish it, then do that? Yeah, as long as this part's taken out. We'll take this bit All right. Out. This good. is how you do it. <laughs> All right, we're back. We're back. Uh, let's keep going. Let's get to that. Due to great editing, they wouldn't have known that we uh, we paused. That's why I did the clapping. Yeah. <laughs> I think that they're thoroughly, um, when struggles emerge, uh, come down on the side of the ruling class and the state. And it's important to look at the history of that. So the police come down on the side of the ruling class. Let's put that to a side for a second. And the state. Yes, they, they work for the state. I hope that they come. <laughs> of, um, recent movements, um, everything from... Uh, Occupy Wall Street and the Occupy movements across the world in 2011 where there was a debate about, you know, the slogan of the movement was we are the 99% and the question was raised, well, aren't aren't police part of the 99% too? You know, they're not the super rich. Can we win them over? Through the the kind of Extinction Rebellion movement last year where uh, a lot of people argued that we could uh, win our demands by singing hymns to the cops and attempting to to morally win them to the argument that they have something to win out of a um, a healthier planet. Through to, um, yeah, I guess the movement today I think it's important to say that the police aren't part of the working class because there's no 
serious historical precedent for any significant section of the police force being won over to working class struggle and popular protest. And if our side is not prepared for the fact that they're actually a reactionary obstacle to achieving what we need, then we're less prepared to confront the question of state repression um, as it comes up. Um, so one way this is actually coming up in a positive way today, I think, in the United States is there's now pressure on um, the union movement in the United States to exclude the police union from all of their institutions. Now, a police union is another thing that, that can sound like, oh, well, you know. What? They removed the police? What? Can you, Church, you're really good at explaining uh, things to me. Explain this, this to I me. I actually had to listen to this part. like multiple, I've listened to this podcast like a couple of times just to make sure I understood. I think what he was saying was that the police, what they tried to do during all those protests was to get the police on their side and say, hey, all the things that we're fighting for benefit you too. Like mm-hmm. the climate thing and this and that. But what they're realising is because the police work for the state and the rich... They're actually not on their side. But the police work for the state today. Historically, okay, maybe they work for the rich. I, I, I haven't read that, so maybe... I couldn't maybe, find that either. Maybe, okay. maybe willing to concede that. But today... Yes. Today... Since the in- introduction of the police in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, and around the world. They work for the state. Yes. Not the rich. No, because they, they uphold the law set by the state yeah. and federal government. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, that's what I understand. What he's saying, I don't think he's quite right. I think he's mor- morally, and I don't think he's got it right in his head yet where he thinks the police sort of sit within his hierarchy of classifications. Because that might have been, and I would have accepted something like an 1800 to... About 1920. Yeah. It was mainly the rich, but then this thing happened and then, and, and it moved over to the state. Okay, I, I would get that. But, but I, they're very sneaky with, because it's, he's throwing in the rich. Like it's, like it's a bad thing to be rich. It's not. It's just means you're good at your job. When you've got money, it solves your money problems. Doesn't solve any other problems. No. It just solves your money problems. No. And everyone can be rich. Yeah. Let's keep going. Yeah. Maybe if the cops band together, they could show a bit more solidarity and have some... Oh, cops shouldn't be part of the union or shouldn't be part of the emergency services union. Mm. But they are an emergency service. As you call them... And they have a union that they can belong to. Yeah. So when you call the police because, you know, your house is being burgled or there's, there's there's a gunman or there's someone driving down Burke Street, they can attend on your behalf with the powers that we want people, additional powers that we give to people to stop the crime. Hmm. But they shouldn't have a, be a part of union discussions. Um, because everything that police do is so um, reactionary and about um, uh, kind of... Yeah, yeah. Yes and no. They have a proactive side and they have a reactionary side. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they can't go... It's not like Minority Report where they go, we know that you're going to commit a crime. <laughs> We're going to arrest you now. You commit the crime and then they go, well, you've committed the crime now. We're going to arrest yeah. you. But then they go, you know what? We're going to go into some counter in, counter-terrorism intelligence and potentially stop a crime before it happens. Hmm. Or 
they go to a person's house who may have already been beaten once by their significant other and maybe go, you know what, maybe we'll take that significant other out of the house so it doesn't happen again. Hmm. <laughs> Intervening in favour of the status quo, um, police unions, I think, are reactionary institutions as well. Um, you can see that with the... Um, the head of the policing in Minneapolis, where this all started, uh, Bob Kroll, one of the country's most prominent Trump supporters, through to the policing in uh, France, which right as we speak are organising mass protests, the police. What was that? So there was something, he just wanted to say Trump, he was a Trump supporter. Yeah. But it didn't and, mean anything. And they moved on to France. They moved on to France. I was waiting to finish the, hear the, finish the point yeah, about... Yeah, finish your point, yeah. Yeah. For the right to uh, use chokeholds on uh, people that they detain, they're organising protests for the right to brutalise other protesters. So every time the police act- No, okay, I remember those French things. It wasn't just about brutalising protesters. It was just the ability to use the chokehold hmm. going forward. Because, you know, maybe one day they might want to, you know, find a pedophile <laughs> or, you know, uh, someone who's beating up women or children or a terrorist. And they might go, you know what? Maybe a chokehold might be the best way. And they just want to have that option. I mean, it's not like they're waterboarding them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. They usually push for things that are about giving themselves more power to brutalize people, more power to repress crowds. But it's it's power they're giving, they're asking to protect because they're people. They're not robots. They're trying to protect themselves. And like, they, they want to go. They home. ask for that power, and then the politicians that we've elected, yes, either say pass yes or the no, law, or don't pass the law. And, you know, because at the end of the day, they're just people. Yeah, they're going out there putting themselves, like a firefighter, put themselves on the line to protect property, mm-hmm. people, pets, whatever it is. They put themselves in uh, as the person who tries to help with that, mm. help everybody. And maybe they do need more powers to do that. But the risk is, like we pay them obviously, but the risk is they could die yeah. on the job. Yeah. Or get severely injured. They've Just, got a higher risk. They've got a really high risk. You know, lots of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the danger's there. What they're trading off is, they're just trying to give themselves a bit more power to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, and I, so I think it's important to say that, firstly, yeah, that we don't think that we can actually win the police to our side in struggles and we want to treat them as our enemy. And secondly, that police unions and their organisations are not a legitimate part of the workers' movement and the left, and they should be excluded um, from all the institutions. That- there you go. Not part. Of, they don't want them part of the left. I just don't know what his point is. We organise in. Yeah, I mean, in Australia, we're probably most familiar with the Police Federation when they have their rep- their uh, leaders come onto the TV and defend the cops from do- from killing Aboriginal people in custody and so on. Like, that's basically what the police union is there for, is to come out and say, well, it was completely defensible, um, whatever. No, no, that's not what the police union do. The police union fight on the behalf of the police for better wages, better mental... Better, better. It's like any union. They don't come out and defend the police. They just give them better... They just give them the benefits that, requ- that they deserve. There was the um, the police officer who shot the Aboriginal in Northern Territory, I think it was, okay. uh, last year. Yeah. Ongoing case. Uh, so it's still before the courts. Mm-hmm. 
but the union got on and because he was a police officer was a union member they all are and said that we're supporting the police officer which is the union's job job yeah now he's got to go through a court procedure so the courts will deal with it yeah um but for me it's sort of it's almost like it's almost like your 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 boss calls you in tells you to do something uh and you have your union that says no no he might have done the wrong thing but let's put it in context or you know we're here to support you like that's why you pay those yeah that's why but again a lot of police join the unions for better wages for better wages for better health care for better better conditions better conditions just in general like you know we want to upgrade you know if our cars. Our cars. Our, you know, our police found, station. Because we found all this is unsafe. We yeah. found this is unsafe for our working conditions. We want better bulletproof vests. These ones are shit. And the union pushes for it. Just like WorkSafe do, you know, at a building site. Or the builders union. They go, no, you need, everyone needs to wear hard hats. And as a business, you need to supply them. And boots and this and that. And high quality tools or whatever it is. Or these safety precautions. That's what the union does, but in a policing world. Despicable racist crime that they carried out that week, you know. Um, And in America as well, I think the police union also play a very political role that is probably less well known. Okay, if you think, and you're discussing this as fact, don't use it as an example. Get the evidence. That they donate to particular um, political candidates prove it campaigns and so on and sort of wield a bit of an individual police officer is legally allowed to donate to any political campaign that they see fit Mm. like a police station can't I don't think I don't know I don't believe a police station or a I think a union could yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, the, the other unions can in Australia. Yeah, but I don't believe uh, a, a station receiving can't. government funds can. No, no, that's that's embezzlement. Mm. But if you're if you're into wage and you're an individual, you can absolutely fund whoever you want. So particularly, I think Democrats are often under pressure from the police union um, and are concerned with the police union kind of condemning them for not caring about law and order and all of that kind of crap. Um, just all that kind of crap, you know, law and order. <laughs> but yeah, they just literally play only a reactionary role and they should not be part of any trade union movement and they should not be part of um, trade tool in Victoria for that matter. It should be a demand of all of us to get to kick them out of those organisations. Fucking hell, that was, that was painful. Well, I think we're going to leave it there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they want to come on the podcast, more than happy to have them. Yeah, I let's just. I, I want to discuss them with them. Let's keep them on track and just talk about one little topic at a time. But I want to do more of this. Oh I God. could dissect these guys and all these ideas for ages. And this was like the least interesting part of the show for me. <laughs> the next bit. Yeah, the next bit is yeah. more insane. Well, this is part A, <laughs> part one. I don't know. I don't even know. Am I wrapping it up? You can wrap it up. All right. I introduced, I'll wrap it up. 
Uh, rant topics. SBS on demand. <laughs> I mean, Church has a. For those that don't know, he has a little, uh, little printout paper each week just to just keep the show on track. Just to keep the show. Well, more or less, probably keep me on track. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush, ladies and gentlemen. For all your wanking needs, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, the Gram, Twitter. Where you can get those tweets and Facebook. Mm. And if you would like to send hate mail, probably if you're a Victorian socialist or socialist, <laughs> you probably didn't like this podcast if you got it to the end. So feel free to send us some hate mail, a death threat, or a rant. Record it on your phone and email it to us at we only do one take podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> That's it. I'm out. Done. Thank you very much. Good night. Good night. And we will see you next Thursday. Oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> That's not on the paper. <laughs> That's just my sign. It's like Rove. It's like Rove McManus. Say hello to your mum for me. Actually, do you want to hear this clip? I, this okay. other clip I put together. Um, one of the key. Um, oh, it's just the rest of the. <laughs> um, the rest of the flops. Um. Um. Uh, um and sorry, particularly, uh, um, the um, two are. Uh, yeah, I mean, in Australia, we're probably most familiar with the Police Federation when. They have their rep- their uh, um, you know uh, realistic but like um, yeah negative um, um, Emma um 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 though um 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 you can um um and um because you know you can. Um, uh, it went, um, you know, um, um, yeah. Uh, I remember preparing for a, um, and that just, um, um, you know, um, uh, melt it. Um, so it, you know, this idea.